Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlach, and welcome to confession number 46. Today, we're going to talk about the approaches to learning. You heard me. We're starting a new series, friends, a new series on the approaches to learning. My brain is a bit toasty after the transdisciplinary challenge, I but I feel so pumped. I really enjoyed going through that experience because it really helped me to think about transdisciplinary learning in a different way, and I hoped it helped you too. But now I want to give our brains a little reprieve. Well... Okay, let me say I shouldn't maybe say easy peasy or anything like that. You should know me better by now that when I say easy, it usually means it's either medium to boiling hot for others. So I'm excited to explore the approaches to learning or we call them the ATLs. Now, the ATLs um, are so special to me because you know, they've been historically, I think, the most undervalued part of the PYP program. My opinion only, but I can only speak from my experience. But I've seen a lot of improvement with the clarity of usage since the enhancements in 2018. So thank you to the IB for um, taking them to the next level and really clarifying um, in two ways. First, they broke it apart from the early years, which is pre-K and kinder, to first and sixth, fifth or sixth grade. Then they also created sub-skills that were really tangible that you could put your hands around instead of having just some random goal that we don't know how to attack. So if you don't know what the ATLs are, don't worry, we're going to go over them briefly and then we're going to delve into them in the following episodes. So if you've examined my PYP house, you'll notice that the body of the house has been divided into two floors, as I call them, right? So there's the approaches to learning and the approaches to teaching. I plan to explore concepts next, but to be honest, my brain couldn't handle it. <laughs> it was really closed. After transdisciplinary learning, I went, no, I can't handle concepts. And so then I thought, okay, well, really one floor, the first floor is all about approaches to learning, focusing on what do students need to learn best. Then the second floor is those approaches to teaching and really concepts are approaches to teaching. So I thought, well, I'm going to follow what I have already mapped out anyway. That makes sense, right? So since I'm a linear person, I don't know if you've figured that out about myself and I like things in nice little compartmentalized units um but you know what that's what makes me so lovable and why you keep coming back for more right right so let's go over the ATLs or the approaches to learning I absolutely love them and I'm super excited to try to figure out how to use them differently because oh I just I feel like we've just scratched the surface and I'm sure, you know, I'll make up some graphics along the way that will help process um, the information so it's a little bit easier. So I'm sure I'll make an announcement further along, along the line when I have a little bit more brain space. But it's coming. 
But just a reminder, the ATLs and the learner profile attributes are the two components of the IB program that follows a child from the grades pre-K to grade 12. They might look differently based on the development of the child, but their purpose is universal. And the primary goal of the ATLs is to create independent thinkers. And I, I don't know about you, but I work with students who are constantly questioning and by saying, Miss, Miss, is this correct? Regardless of where I've taught. And so how do we get our students to think, to reason, to apply all the skills that we've been teaching them to multiple learning situations and take them with them in the follow in the next grade level. This is a challenge. So, you know, so many students struggle to remember content and skills that they've learned from prior years. So we are trying to buckle that pattern. We're trying to find a new way of doing things. So when we're looking at the ATLs, how do they work? They're divided up into five categories. There's thinking, research, communication, social, and self-management. Within each domain, that's what I call them, but it's also a category, you have um, different um, like categories within categories, right? And within the category, the subcategory, you have subskills. And that's the target. Um, I really love the subskills because they really delve into what is it that the students are doing. And we're going to take our time to examine each of these subcategories and the category, you know, like that whole hierarchy and uncover the skills and what they mean. Because I think that's important. What, what, because sometimes you can even read the subskill and you say, what the heck is that? And so we're going to try as much as we can to break it apart. I don't know what that's going to look like. We might need two episodes per set because there's a lot of subskills in some of them. Um, but if you go into social skills, bam, there's only two. So it really largely depends. And the reason I'm obsessed with these revised ATLs is because they provide a clear roadmap, you know, for us to have a target. And there's also flexibility in how we reach that target. Once again, we're going to go nice and slow and explore and play. And I wouldn't be surprised if along the way there's little mini challenges I give you because now I'm all challenged up. I'm ready to go. And I'm sorry, you're, you, you're, <laughs> if you're following along, you're going to have to get ready for some mini challenges, friends. They won't be official challenges, but that's the whole part. This piece right here with the ATLs, we have to first lay the foundation ourselves as educators. And then how are we going to get our kiddos to engage with them? So that's going to probably be a two-part process. Um, so as we're playing around with these, whether you're a novice or an experienced PYP educator, you'll find some new ideas you haven't considered. Spoiler alert, I'm going to provide some tips and tools on how to use the various sub skills. Remember, our goal is to create those independent thinkers. So students must do the heavy lifting. You have to do the heavy planning, but they do the heavy lifting of the work. 
while acquiring the skills. What that means is you're not telling them what to learn. They are exploring it on their own within parameters that you've set so they can remember it. Now I'm going to practice some tools to help you get ready. Do I hear once again a minor challenge coming up? Yes, ma'am. And yes, sir, because that's how we roll here at Confessions of a PYP Teacher. So let's look at that early years class. What's the early learner going to be doing? So for you as an educator of pre-kindergarten, kindergarten students, I'd even throw in, personally speaking, I still think first grade, year one, um, is uh, the early years. You can find um, your approaches to learning in the guide PYP from Principles into Practice, the Learner from pages 15 and 19. This section highlights what teachers must do to set the stage for learning to happen. That's going to be our focus in this episode. Not what students need to do, but what we need to do. And I think this part is often skipped because we want, just like objectives, we want to go, what is the kid going to do? What am I putting on my planner? But just like everything else in the PYP, it all begins with us. How do we set the stage so then students can work their magic? So when you go into um, the ATLs, you're going to see the five categories of things that teachers must do. So I just zoomed into thinking skills for the early learner. So the teachers need to do these things to encourage thinking skills. They need to model the language of thinking, such as, I wonder, I noticed, I inferred. They need to ask open-ended questions. Provide sufficient thinking time to respond to questions and so on. Are we pausing? Are we giving wait time? Offer ended open materials. That's kind of hard when COVID. I don't know how that's going to work, but we work with it, right? We can't sometimes do all of them. Provide time for reflection at all stages of learning before, during, and after inquiries. Co-create and reflect on individual learning goals within the zone of proximal development. So all of this is setting the stage for thinking skills. So what does this look like for grades three to five? So you're gonna find your ATLs on um, the section of the guide PYP from principles into practice, but this time you're going to look in the section learning and teaching from pages 26 to 27. Here's what teachers are going to do to bring about thinking skills. Some of them are going to sound pretty much the same, or they might start the same, but they become more depth and complex based on the age difference. So let's get started. Teachers are going to model the language of thinking and reinforce the processes of thinking. Kind of different. Ask open questions, the same. Provide sufficient thinking time. Implement and model a range of visible thinking techniques. 
So that's going to be your Harvard Project Zero thinking routines, your visible thinking routines. That might be some of Caroline Tomlinson's um, differentiation strategies. That might be some Kath Murdoch reflection strategies, whatever it is you use in your campus. Explicitly asking students to discuss and reflect on the value and limitations of resources used through their inquiries. That's so big. I'm like, what? Um, so, <laughs> so we get kids to ask. We have to ask, discuss, and reflect the value and the limitations of resources used through their inquiries. So now that's reflecting on that whole process. Provide time for reflection. Once again, it's before, during, and after. Provide a range of tools for reflection and ensure that reflection activities are responsive and varied, meaning kids are doing it and they're varied. So now you're doing multiple tools and reflect on existing competency, co-creating learning goals. Man, that sounds like a lot. I don't know about you, but are we doing any of those things? Do we have to do every single one? I don't think so. But we should be doing as many as possible, especially where we are in our understanding of this way of teaching. Even if we hit two, two is better than none. And if we're a veteran in the PYP or inquiry-based model, how are we doing most of them, right? Even in a virtual or hybrid setting. So you can see the depth and complexity is different based on the age group. But the goal is the same. And that's the difference. Before, imagine a pre-K or kindergarten student trying to reach those goals. No way. And that's the beauty of it. I love how it's split. So my mini challenge for you this week is to take a look at the beginning part of the ATL descriptors. The part where what teachers must do. Look at the five different categories and decide what is the category that's going to be the most realistic area that I can focus on and put down two to three of the skills that need to be done, need to be laid, and how you're going to attack them. That's going to be your mini challenge right now. If you don't know how you're gonna attack them, you just know, hey, I I know I need to work on these three. Don't worry, because we're going to delve into picking apart all of that goodness, and you might learn some strategies along the way that you're like, ah, that's what I'm gonna use to get better at this part of the ATL. Does that make sense? So go through the front of your section of the ATL descriptor, Look at those skills that teachers, uh, the things that teachers must do, skills that we got to lay out. Pick the one that you think is most realistic and also the one that you need to work on and hang tight because that's the part because we're going to apply that as we go along. So I had to throw a challenge in there somehow. And because once you start, you can't stop, right? So enjoy your week. And we'll see you here next time, friends.